welcome to the Self-Help Podcast, a weekly no-nonsense guide dedicated to your emotional health and well-being. Presented by entrepreneur Edward Lamb and psychotherapist Sean Orford. For more information, visit liveinthepresent.co.uk. Okay, hello, welcome to episode 452 of the Self-Help Podcast with me, Ed Lamb, and my good pal Sean Orford. How are you, Sean? I'm stunning. Uh, how are you? I'm very well. Yeah, feeling good. Um, yeah. Actually, today, or we're recording this on the Tuesday before we publish, but uh, today is my first day of freedom since, what, five or six days of um, isolating from the virus. Yeah, it's been, it's visited our family. But it's just gradually <clears throat> tripping through the family, isn't it? So Yeah, well, yeah, just my wife to go, really, and she's she's been in and around kids for and us now yeah. for a couple of years so um but she, yeah she's still showing us she did go for a, a proper pcr test um uh and that showed negative as well so i think she's just completely uh <laughs> immune to it it just doesn't even bother with her but yeah there is some evidence that people that have been exposed to high levels of of the natural cold and influenza over the years have got <clears throat> well-developed t-cells um so it could be that bit as a teacher, because you're exposed to all that lovely, lovely, snotty children, mm. um, that you uh, you end up um, developing uh, a lot, of, like a, I suppose, a stronger immune system. I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, weird, really. So she's still testing every day. I'm I'm fine now. None of us have had any symptoms. Me, and my son, all my two sons. Sorry. So um, fortunate in that respect, but I assume. I guess that triple jabbed and all that has helped me for it to just what pass so over. You, you, you've had no symptoms at all other than you had a positive test. Yeah, one positive test, and then that, that's enough to kind of trigger the stuff. And then you have to get after five days, you have to do a test on the fifth day. And then on if that's negative, you have to test on the sixth day. And then if that's negative, you're allowed out. So today's my sixth day. So uh yeah. yeah, no, no symptoms at all, really. Um, not even a runny nose. So uh, it's a strange old thing, this virus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> happy to be out and about because I was actually I'm gutted because I'm trying to do. A, I was doing a bike three six five challenge. I was going to ride my bike every day this year, so I've had to uh, skip a few days. But yeah, you let me off, won't you? Yeah, just about. Mm. <laughs> um, so how many how many miles a day were you doing? Uh, um, it's not it's not really a, a challenge to ride X number of miles. It's just to kind of use my bike every day. And for most of that, it's just, uh, you know, trip, trips to school, just going to shops, meetings, that kind of thing. So it's, it's quite easy for me anyway because I, I ride most days. It's just the odd little day when I'm working from home and I wouldn't have normally hopped on. I'll, then I'll have to kind of think of some excuse to get on and uh, go and run an errand or something like that. But, yeah. Mm. That's interesting that you have to have an excuse to do it. Can't you just go and do it? Yeah, you can. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just wanted to push myself that little bit further, really, and just uh, yeah, yeah. And I am tracking. I'm tracking it all on Twitter. I'll share my link. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm updating it each day. So there we go. But yeah, what does what's triggered this week's show, Sean? Because um, we're talking about a bit of a, a general one, aren't we? Really about uh, yeah. living with uncertainty. Yeah. I um, 
I, I guess that um, it, it's, it kind of follows on with what we've been looking at. Um, and it's when I'm listening to people and, and the, the kind of underlying message I'm getting is that uh, everything's uncertain. Um, and because everything's uncertain, people are developing those kind of almost like an OCD anxiety because they keep rehearsing it and worrying about it. Mm. Um, yeah. And that, be that begins with obviously COVID. Um, but we got a lot of things going on at the moment. We do, yeah. And I just—is this like my confirmation bias or, or what? But I mean, yeah, we've—you know—we've been saying for the on the show for quite a while now. I guess um, I don't know, maybe since forever doing the show. But you know, especially like politically, since kind of Brexit reared its head and kicked off. And uh, I did—I did hear someone on the news this morning calling it uh, Brexit had been a bit of a collective national, like nervous breakdown for the nation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? yeah, I think that's right. Like regardless of what side you were on, and that was part of the problem, obviously, was it because you had to pick a side, and that that put us up against friends and family and neighbours and all that. Um, and it's but but, but it, if you look at the responses people have had, they're like a response to anxiety. It's almost like people have got low level post traumatic stress disorder, you know, uh, which is based around um, their fears and anxieties. Mm. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's been true across the board. I mean, we, we've got the issue at the moment. So, like, another area of uncertainty that I'm dealing with is if you're an NHS worker, are you going to get the sack next month or not? Mm. You know, and, and it's that kind of, you know, yes, you are, no, you're not. Yeah, yes, it is, no, it's not. Oh, is this because the uh, the enforced vaccination, basically mandatory vaccination plan? Mm. Yeah, and it, and it may or may not happen now. And so that the government are uh, creating a storyline to allow them to, to do a U-turn, which is that, well, because the Omicron variant is different and da, da, da. So they can then justify backing down and what they demanded of everybody. Um, but that just creates uncertainty, especially because people now don't know. Um, and people were making plans and uh, had decided on something else they were going to do, but can they, and are they, should they? And it's like people are in that hesitant state. So you've got that. You've got the, the general kind of COVID stuff anyway. You know, are we coming out the other end of it? Is there going to be another variant? Are we in lockdown? Can I go on holiday? Can I not go on holiday? Should I rebook the holiday? You know, there's all that uncertainty. Throw into the mix all the stuff that's going on in Parliament about was there a party, isn't there a party, should there be a party? You know, what, what went on there? And then on top of it all, we've now got Russia, Ukraine, and is there going to be a war, isn't there going to be a war? You know? mm. Oh, you, you mentioned earlier when we were talking, and the gas price. <laughs> yeah, well, that's on my radar, you know, the kind of, yeah, the unforeseen consequences of like a reliance on fossil fuels is that... Um, you know, we had the Iraq war and all that kind of stuff and the Gulf state stuff around oil in the 90s and the noughties. And now we're going to have, are we going to have similar kind of stuff going on around gas supplies and what have you? So, um, but then is that, yeah, there's, there's an exercise we did on the course that we did, the Live in the Present course many years ago, which I always think of and it's, stick, it's really stuck with me. And it's that one where you get a group of people, either ideally um, an even number of people, and you put them on each side of, a, of each other. So three on one side, three on the other, let's say. And you put um, a bamboo garden cane in the middle oh, of them. And on their fingers, yeah. And the, you get them all to balance it 
on their fingers. And I really advise everyone to try this one. Like in a team setting, it's amazing. And the goal is for the group of people to lower the stick, but you're not allowed for the stick to be released from your fingers. So you think in practice, it's easy. You just get everyone at once to lower their arms down uh, with their fingers touching all the time and the stick just glides gently down. But it's virtually impossible to do, isn't it? It goes up in the air, which is where it goes up, not down. Yeah, and the reason it goes up, it's not impossible. I have seen it done on, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the reason it happens is because all those tiny little pressures of people trying to keep their fingers on the stick in contact with it makes it rise up, and it just goes out of control and actually starts to like speed up. Um, and I think about it a lot because I think that's happening at the moment with all these tiny little things in you know on planet Earth that are causing us to... Uh, you know, we're all trying our best to improve the situation and help out, but all those tiny little <laughs> interactions we make are actually making speeding up, like, ahead, mm. like forcing us towards disaster. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I still use that exercise uh, when I'm working with groups of nurses or managers. Um, and when you take it through to fulfillment, it takes about two hours. Most teams, after that two hours, consistently work on it. They can have a break in the middle. But it takes about two hours to be able to bring it down together and actually put it on the floor. Um, and some groups just cannot do it at all. And the thing that, the thing that always makes me laugh when, when we did it was how people would say, it's your fault, you're doing it, you're pushing, you're doing this. And so it's like, who can we blame? We'd find people in the group to blame. It was quite, quite fascinating to watch it. Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing. I really do encourage folks. Well, has he got an actual, a, a proper name that we can link? Uh, link Air, Air Sticks, it was always called. All right. Um, uh, I'll put. I'll try and find a link to it to put in the show notes uh, that you can watch. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's on YouTube. I think. Yeah, there's some stuff, and but it's it's just a really simple little uh, exercise that you can do with a group, and it does. If you do like you say, I never actually followed it through. I didn't spend two hours with it in the group. No. Um, but if you see it through, you can, you can get there. And I think it will teach us all. It does teach you a valuable lesson about how to overcome a problem and a challenge. You know, and yeah, yeah. But, but it, it also teaches you that to, to be effective, you have to really tune into the other people in your team. Yeah, so that you're all working together and mm. you're not pushing at different rates and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, with uncertainty and with crazy stuff going in the world, it is a choice, believe it or not, and it, it's easy for us to say about how we react to it. And you've got a, a 94-year-old auntie that you mentioned in the blog. So yeah, what can we learn from, from your 94-year-old? Well, auntie V is amazing. Uh, and I, I know several people like her, but they're in the similar age bracket. And I think that the thing is that depending on how it worked for them, it was the First World War, the Depression, the Second World War, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and people learn to live with complete uncertainty all the time. You know, when, when, when you go to bed and there's people dropping bombs on your head um, and you don't know who's going to be alive in the morning, that, that idea of uncertainty becomes much more realistic. Um, and and you, you also the gratitude for, blimey, I'm still alive, you know, is... Uh, is a real big one as well. Yeah. Um, one of the things about Auntie V is she has a very strong religious faith. Now, uh, whether that was born out of those experiences, I don't know. I'd have to check it out with her. Um, 
but she she has a very clear and strong belief um, in, in the power of God and the will of God, that kind of stuff. And I think that does make a difference for a lot of people that do have a strong core belief in their system. Um, that gives mm. them something to hold on to. Yeah. You know, Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm trying to kind of liken what we've been through with the, the, in the uh, pandemic to to a war, like a wartime kind of effort. Because uh, you know, my generation, and I guess even even your generation, we never we, we didn't have to go fight in the trenches, did we, or any of that stuff? No, no. My my generation was the first generation of I can't remember how many who didn't have to go to war. Yeah. Um, and when I was uh, young, they still had conscription. Um, that you had to go and do two years in one of the services. Uh, every 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 male did at least, um, and they stopped it before I got to that. For it got to an age where I would have had to have done it, um, and then all the hippie stuff happened after that, which mm-hmm. was which. If you look at all the love, peace, and happiness stuff of hippiness, it was like a reaction to the. Um, to the negativity and the violence that had gone before, so we had now love, peace, and happiness. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder how we'll react to it in the in the years ahead, for, for, as we kind of get back to like normality, or we you know, reshape what normal is, things like that, the kind of social. Because uh, you know, if you look back at like World War Two history, it's you know, from the UK perspective, it was quite a. Uh, everyone seemed to be pulling together, and you know, it was quite a collective effort. But I'm sure even back then. There will have been a certain percentage of um, UK residents that w- didn't want to go to war, didn't want to fight the Germans, and that kind of thing. And they they probably made a massive song and a dance about it. And uh, um, you know, in the same way that you know, there's a, a small percentage of people that aren't up for being vaccinated or aren't, don't really aren't, don't appreciate the kind of limitations on freedom that that were put in place. Uh, I need to go back and check to see what kind of yeah, who was pushing back against the war effort back in the 40s. Well, you had the conscientious objectors um, that very often were made to go to war, but as part of the medical teams. Um, some of them were imprisoned because of it. Um, the, the bit that uh, gets to me is if you look at the research going back, not just over the First and the Second World Wars, but before that, when you, when you look at people going to war, over 50% of the soldiers never fire their guns. Wow, okay. And, and you think, hmm. And you start to realise when you look at the research that's gone into that is that human beings actually aren't naturally violent, although we think they are because the way we, we present the news to ourselves. Yeah. You know, the majority of people aren't, aren't violent at all. They're more likely to help you than hurt you. Mm. you know, but we don't believe that. Everyone's out to get you, aren't they? Mm. And that's part of the doubt and uncertainty thing that we build into all this, you know. We talk a lot uh, on the show about kind of what you do about the, you know, being the observer on the riverbank as, as the, like the chaos of the river and, and life like flows, flows by. So how, how do we kind of, is it easier said than done again with that kind of thing, like to jump out of the river and just watch the madness from the, from the side? Uh, but, but the thing is that if you look at any of these things, I don't know what's going to happen in the Ukraine. You know, I really hope that people don't start killing each other. Um, but whatever happens, I can do nothing about it. I could maybe help a bit. I could maybe throw a few bob into a hat to 
uh, feed people that maybe can eat. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. I could even offer space in my home for someone who's made homeless. I mean, there's things that, that I could do, but overall, I could write a letter to Johnson and Putin and, um, you know, I, I could write to all the leaders and say, excuse me, would you mind not having war at the moment? Um, but it's, it's like we, we don't have a voice in that sense. So rather than being overwhelmed by it, we need to allow it to be what it needs to be, you know, which is kind of, it's, that's fairly easy, isn't it? Because I'm sat here, the sun's shining, I've got my lovely office here, and I'm sat here and it's great. You know, you're, you're there with um, Cooper the Trooper. Uh, <laughs> the puddle. He's got a bit of affection, bless him, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's been, a, he's, he's re- actually dogs and pets are quite good ones, aren't they, for learning from we should do another episode about pets that we haven't oh we have done quite recently yeah. what, what we can learn from our uh, the animals that we share a share life with because they just go about their business don't they without a care in the world and uh but but the thing about about an animal like a dog or a cat is that they don't use their intellect to interpret it and translate and kind of distort what they're experiencing they just experience it directly mm. and if you feel it you feel it you don't feel it and think hmm What's that about? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's been very well behaved at the moment, but yeah, he does have his moments, Cooper, you know, when he's quite an annoying little so-and-so. Like every time the postman comes near the house, obviously that's some kind of inbuilt reaction that all dogs hate postmen and women, apparently. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Have you actually introduced him to the post, the post person? No, we have. A, I would like to, actually, once he's a bit more, I mean, there might be postmen, and women listening to this thinking, no, I don't want it. I haven't got time to be saying hello to dogs. I think that would fix it, though, to be honest. I think if you just knew who was coming to the door, you would probably, because when I come to the door, or my mum, my to the window, he doesn't go nuts. He kind of get he wags his tail and gets excited because it's someone he recognises. So, yeah, there's something to learn there as well. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the first step in developing, developing mindfulness to overcome worrying is to become the observer of yourself. So, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure dogs and cats and guinea pigs are able to do that, but we are, aren't we, as human beings? Yeah, yeah. And and the more we can do that, the more objective we can become, the less we get washed around in all these emotions. And the problem is, every time you turn on any media device, you're getting inundated with negativity. You know, can you think of anything positive that's going on in the news at the moment? Uh, not off the top of my head. No, they usually save that bit for the last two minutes, don't they? And, and finally, <laughs> I think the nearest thing is that there's a little boy that's just walked however many miles to raise money for something. But I can't remember what he raised money for. Um, but uh, that was the last couple of minutes on a news a news broadcast. But the rest of it was about about the negativity, you know. And uh, it's a bit like that exercise we do on the course where I say, okay, write down uh, all the good characteristics about yourself. And people really struggle. If they get three down, they're doing well. Yeah. If I say, okay, write down all the negative characteristics about themselves, it's like, okay, off we go. Give me more paper. I need more paper. Yeah. And it's like that at the moment. You know, if I say to you, what are the positive things that we're all sharing? And it's like, um, 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 but it's like, what's the negativity? And it's huge. Mm. Yeah. We need a better positive. Yeah. 
We do, yeah. And I mean, you've written down in your blog post um, like a list of things that we that we see when we do observe ourselves, and that you've kind of d- described them all. Um, and you know, like you've just been through a few there, like discounting the positive and jumping to conclusions, catastrophizing that kind of thing. Are these things that are just built into us, or are they just habits that we learn over time and that we can kind of unlearn? Yeah. They're predominantly habits. Some of them are individual. So the overgeneralization one is um, uh, where someone says, oh, it'll always be like this, you know, or I'll never be any good at this. You know, that kind of overgeneralized. And most of those things are like ways of kind of blanking out what happens next. It kind of you smother the script, you know. Um, and it's like, oh, no, not again. If you that thing, you wake up in the morning, oh, no, not again guess what kind of day you're going to have, yeah? So if you're feeling like the world is crap, then your world is crap. Um, so, like, it feeds onto itself. You know, you can't yeah. you can get away from it. Um, yeah? So, yeah, I mean, what are the steps then that we take to, to, to start to step away from those, those habits? And it, It's mainly about reframing that... Um, that idea that if I listen as the observer, if I listen to my thoughts and my feelings and my actions, and I'm listening to what comes out of my mouth and I'm actually observing it, I might think, Bunny, that's negative. Where does that come from? Or I can hear myself putting myself down and putting other people down. You know, why? What's that about? Um, and it's only when we stop and think about it and look at it and sometimes you need to take it apart. They're like, where does that come from? Where does it come from? And usually it comes from a parent or a sibling, you know, family, education, that we were taught something as we went along. And then, and then we get to that, no, that's the way it is, or that's the way I am. And it's never that. It's, that's, that's the way I've allowed it to be, or that's where, what I've learned, how I've learned to see myself. Mm. It's true. None of it's ever true. I mean, you know, we do, we do suggest sometimes that, People might want to step back from social media and from checking the news quite so incessantly. Um, you and I are, are pretty well clued up and stuff. I'm like, I'm a Twitter addict as well, so I, I'm getting stuff like yeah, 24/7, and it's probably not. It, it could reach a point where it was unhealthy, and maybe it does every now and again. But I mean, you and I managed to keep a lid on it, and from our point of view, live like relatively happy um, existences. So. Uh, do you do you kind of advise people to, to step back from that stuff, or is it possible to live with it like we do? And uh, it just depends. Well, on but, but I, I, th- I think is if you can observe it. So, like that image of if you can sit on the bank and watch the river go by without getting your feet wet, you're fine. As soon as you start paddling, or you go out, you get washed away in it, and it becomes a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I actually had someone I saw. A um, couple of weeks ago, who um, uh, was rabidly opposite to the way that I am, as in, you know, vaxxing and 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 the idea about, you know, who's trying to take over the world and and want to take over me and you and all that. Yeah. Um, and the um, uh, and their response was, um, I don't think we better talk about this anymore. Um, because, um, you know, we're obviously going to disagree in big ways. Um, and it's like, I'm quite happy for them to have their point of view. Don't bother me. Um, but they had real problems that I would have a point of view that was different to theirs. 
Mm. That was that was difficult for them, you know. Yeah, I had an incident on the school run this morning, so uh, I had a bit of an altercation with another parent who uh, whose driving was fell below the standards, you know, that you'd uh, expect from a someone that's apparently passed a test. <laughs> uh, and I've got a bit of a reputation for the road safety stuff, but this is actually, the, I think it's the second time I've had to have words with a parent. Um, basically, I was riding, I was riding along this tiny little cul-de-sac. Um, on the way to school uh, with Jacob alongside me uh, and this parent basically pulled out you know to, to go to move away without checking their mirrors or their blind spot and they're about to turn into me and Jacob so I had to whack the side of the car to get their attention uh, and then mm. Jacob fell off his bike and he cut his knee or he, he scraped his knee and it was all a big kerfuffle so I, I had a bit of an argument with this lady <laughs> in, in public <laughs> so uh thankfully it didn't go it wasn't too crazy and there was no swearing or anything but it was quite public you know i've got to see this person tomorrow morning probably and for the next good like goodness knows how many years <laughs> so i'm just will, back now. Will, will they be seeing you tomorrow from the point of view that i'm really sorry about yesterday or would they know. as that grumpy bugger on a bike yeah, I don't know really. I'm just trying to think how to play it, and uh, I might even see it when I do when I pick my son up later on. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm gonna have to wait and see how to play it. I wasn't I, I wasn't recording the ride, so I guess there was there was a time when I would have reported it to the police uh, and had video evidence and gone full guns, like, all guns blazing. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I'm trying to think in terms of this show and this episode now how I can react to it and like have something constructive come from it. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit fiery for a while. Um, mm. You know, and, and potentially very dangerous. You know, that's how people, that's how people get killed. And I can see how well the the news headline would have been. You know, because um, I read all that. I, that's all that stuff I read all day, every day is like road safety stuff. And oh, because you know, five people will die in the UK today on uh, on UK roads. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it kind of it does it just washes by it just washes over people's heads a lot of the time so we, we would have just been another statistic um, yeah. so yeah it's crazy it's crazy to know what to do and what, what decision to make when when strange things happen to you hey I um, uh, as a result of, of coming down the motorway and somebody cutting across me to go up the exit um, and they nearly took me out on their they were speeding and they kind of you know squeezed through the traffic and and they i mean they were like an inch and a half away from taking my wing off it was that you know at speed and um it made me decide that i'm going to get a webcam oh dash cam dash cam that's the one yeah because i i was thinking about it actually i actually thought about you on your bike and if you had your camera on you you could have then done something about that and i mean and talk about dangerous driving because they came across me and it was a it was a uh, i don't know whether you know that bit on junction one where it's coming in and going off at the same time yeah okay yeah so they, they cut round me and went into the going off bit but there were still people coming up so they shot across two lanes of traffic without looking and it was like oh my god yeah you know. i guess yeah uh, if you did have it on dash cam then you could You'd see it as a learning point. You know, I went through a phase of reporting a lot of stuff to the police. I'm a, I'm a, from a 
from my from my cycling perspective. And um, so what made you stop? Um, I just got a bit exhausted with it, and I, I got to the point where I was kind of that addicted to to doing it that I, it was kind of affecting my general levels of anxiety. And I was going out every morning and afternoon, coming home, expecting bad things to happen. And guess what? They did. They did. <laughs> yeah. So I stopped recording, and uh, there are still the odd occasion when I when I wish, oh, oh man. But mm-hmm. it's since I've stopped recording, I have noticed that um, I've had less incidents that were worthy of reporting, just because I'm just riding just a bit slower and a, with a bit less kind of watching and that kind of thing. So yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's it's weird it's weird stuff man but yeah people love i mean we've had the highway code changes over the weekend as well so people are just yeah loving, you know people love discussing all that stuff road safety what you need to do sean yeah you should, you, you need to you should have been on a train you know that's the safest place to be <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got re at the train and i was okay. driving back <laughs> okay i'll let you off i'll let you off this time but yeah it's that <laughs> so she was the one that was safe yeah. On the train. Uh, anyway, all right. Anything else you want to mention before before we go on this one? <clears throat> um, I, I think that it, it's a case of of accepting that the world is always going to be unstable. It's always going to be uncertain. Yeah. And we have to learn to to live within that and not get carried away with it. Not kind of fall in the water to be able to observe it. And whether you're using mindfulness. I, I, my recommendation for a resource is a particular book, which is about um, living successfully with, with uncertainty. You know, oh. um, and it, it's 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 the ultimate. And when I look at people like RTV who've been through unbelievable situations, when you talk to her about her life, and she's still there smiling and she's out there getting on with it, mm. uh, and it's easy for people that haven't developed any resilience to just kind of sit there and moan about it. You know, and I, I think that we have to learn to be more robust. Yeah, it's. I mean, when you meet people that are getting towards that age, that nearly hundred years worth of, of memory, uh, it's amazing how often. In fact, I, you know, I, I know a lot of people that are approaching a hundred, um, amazingly, and uh, they are all quite chirpy kind of folks. And maybe when you've been through that level of history and that you've got that amount of experience, maybe you just kind of do get to that kind of age, and you just think. Yeah, you know, it's the world's fucking mad. You know, I'm not. What's the point in being angry about any of it? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, go go chat to a ninety hundred year old if you can, and just see what you can learn from them. Um, yeah, 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 amazing, amazing. Yeah. Uh, my resource is a, a YouTube channel called Bold and Bankrupt, and it's I'm, I'm obsessed with it. So it's a, it's a British guy that likes to travel. And uh, he's particularly obsessed obsessed with like Soviet era um, states such as what Russia and the Ukraine and Belarus. And he goes around with his GoPro and he, he goes to these places and he and he can speak Russian, so he can get involved with the uh, the locals and speak to them. And he's really interested in the history of it and what what remains of like Soviet era um, Russia and, and Ukraine. And he has got a, a section of videos where he's visited Ukraine, um, which yeah. I think. Give you his videos. He just speaks to normal people on the street, and he, he quite often he gets invited into to people's homes to have have dinner with them and, and you know, to drink with them. Mm. And uh, 
yeah, there's a lot of people out in that kind of part of the world living in what we would consider extreme poverty. Um, mm-hmm. But they all always, almost without fail, welcome them into their lives and invite yeah. them into their homes and, you know, share what little food and drink they have with him. And they like love showing them him around the, the towns they live in. And, uh, yeah, really, really cool little YouTube channel that, um, mm-hmm. really worth watching, especially if we're heading into dicey, dicey times with people in that part of the world. Um, that, you know, there's good folks out there that just want to be left alone and, uh, get on with their lives, you know? It's funny that thing about wealth, but I've always found the friendliest people I've ever come across have been poor people. You know, you, you, you go to a village in the middle of nowhere where no one's got anything, and they're so pleased to see you, and hi, uh, you know, and yeah. they really want to, you know, get to know you. Um, whereas other other people that are a bit well healed are a bit, oh no, oh no. Yeah, I know, and I guess you know, maybe it's just a lack of trust and they've got things to lose, so uh, when you've got nothing to lose, you just kind of open to getting involved with, in the world and meeting other people who knows yeah maybe we shouldn't have developed all these possessions that was where it went wrong yeah yeah communism mm-hmm. hey i mean uh yeah. yeah maybe we should give it a go i'm not so sure <laughs> <laughs> cool all right sean well thanks for your time we'll catch up again next week okay you take care and be happy see you everyone yeah bye right. see ya bye.